Welcome to the podcast of FirstMen.Church, your on-demand worship community, ready for you whenever and wherever you are. If you'd like to tune in to the full worship experience, you can go to our website, FirstMen.Church. And now, here's a message from our pastor, Ethan Lumen. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, or, or maybe you're new to this whole Christian thing, or maybe you're even just searching for what the heck this whole Christianity thing is all about. One of the first things you'll notice is that Christians love the Bible. Why are we so attached to the Bible? First of all, if we put ourselves back in the, in the time of Jesus, the first Christians were all Jewish, so they held to the Old Testament scriptures, the Hebrew Bible. But why then, after Jesus lived and died and rose again, and, and people from other uh, communities and, and nations and, and parts of the world, why did they start to read as well the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures? It was recognized as the Word of God because, um, because, it fits, because of its connection to Jesus. They saw Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior, and because of that, they, they started to read the Old Testament, which Jesus fulfilled. So the Bible became valuable for them because it pointed them more and more to Jesus, whether they were Jewish or not. And now 2,000 years later, we as well, we read the Old Testament because it points us to Jesus. But how did this New Testament come to be? The, the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and all of these epistles. Well, um, people, uh, people wanted to point others to Jesus. And those people who had been with Jesus, who had seen him face to face, who had witnessed the resurrection, all those people, they couldn't be everywhere at once. So they started writing letters. They started uh, writing down accounts of all that had happened. And, and that's exactly what happens with this letter of Philippians. Paul was going all around the world trying to let everyone know about the love of Jesus and, and the, the rescue that he offered and the life that comes through him. And as he went around, he started planting churches, these, these communities of people that met in homes or wherever they could uh, to, to come together for prayer and, and worship and to share in the love of God. So, so Paul was writing to these people because at this time he was imprisoned for being a Christian. They didn't like that he was a Christian. They didn't like that he uh, stood up firmly for his faith and that he lived this different life and that he was trying to get other people to believe it. So they threw him in jail. Eventually, Paul died for his faith, um, but now he's in prison. And, and from prison, he decides he's going to start writing letters to all these churches that he planted. So as he writes to Philippi, he's, he's joined by Timothy, uh, a person that he's raising up to be a leader and share God's word as well. But as he writes it, he starts off by writing to all the saints in Jesus Christ. And saints is just a, a word for people who are set apart for a holy purpose, right? So a saint or, or somebody who's holy is is set apart for a special purpose. And he's saying, and it's, it's the people that are gathered in Philippi, it's probably not one church, but a collection of people that meet in different houses and, and maybe come together every now and then. Uh, but, but it wasn't a centralized church. It, it was kind of similar to the problem or opportunity that we experience today, uh, where you might be watching uh, in Atlanta, Georgia for instance, uh, where we have some people who are part of our community, or you know, we're recording here north of Milwaukee, but it doesn't matter where we are or where you are because technology bridges that gap. 
And, and so Paul, he's sharing God's word however he can in his day. Uh, and, and the church meets wherever they can, and they start to share the letters. So the people in Philippi, they share their letter with the, the people in Rome or in, uh, in Israel, in Greece, wherever they are. And all these letters that get shared, they, um, they're collected. Um, and a couple hundred years later, they're formalized and, and called the New Testament. And the reason is that these books, these letters, these intimate and personal uh, letters full of depth and meaning help point people to Jesus. And so 2,000 years later, we're still here talking about these letters, these epistles, uh, this scripture, because it points us to Jesus and it, it draws us close to him. And it, and it helps us understand more clearly who God is and who we are in light of God. That's what a saint is, somebody who is seeing themselves in the light of God. And uh, he also uh, directs it uh, as he's writing it to um, all the overseers and ministers, indicating that there's a lot of people uh, and there's people that are overseeing all these different communities. As he starts his letter, the first thing that he does is let people know that he's praying for them. He said, I'm praying for you, and every time I, every time I think about you, I just, I'm filled with joy. <laughs> now, uh, I don't know about you, but maybe there's people in your life that, that when you think about them, joy isn't the first emotion that comes to your mind. Uh, maybe frustration or, or anger or, or pain or confusion. Um, but when Paul remembers the, the Christians in Philippi, he's, he's filled with joy. He praises God for who they are, and, uh, and he asks God to uh, continue to be with them and, and bless them. And he says that they've been sharing in the gospel. Now, what does it mean to participate or, or, or share in the gospel? Well, clearly what Paul means by sharing in the gospel, it's not just simply talking to another person uh, about Jesus. I, it's a, it's a full-life experience being a Christian, being included in this thing called Christianity. To share in the gospel is, is to live your life in accordance to, to Jesus and, and his standards, and, and to see yourself in light of Jesus. So he says, because you've shared in the gospel, he says, from the first day that you received it until now, indicating a, an endurance in, in their faith, persevering and pushing through maybe even the difficulties. And he says this line, which uh, is, a, is, a, is a pretty important Bible verse. He says, I become confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will be bringing it to its purpose until the day of Christ Jesus. Most translations say that the one who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. But, but I think what Paul is trying to indicate is that the, the, the life of a Christian is, um, it's not measured in, in the moment, it's measured in the work that God's doing over the long haul. And I want you to sit with these words. Let these words sit with you. The one who began a good work. Because in our lives, we're, <laughs> we're so often focused on uh, what we have to do. What, what I can manage or, or, or what's under my responsibility. Well, the one who began a good work is not you. It's God. God is the one who's begun it. He's the one who's going to finish it. He's the one who started it, and he promises to be the one who will complete it. And he said he will be bringing it to its purpose. And what that means is that our lives, uh, each and every day, whether it's, a, whether it's a great day, whether we feel like we got everything we needed to get done, done, 
Or whether it's one of those terrible days where we had a to-do list and nothing got checked off. In fact, things got added to it. Uh, or, or maybe uh, just it was a terrible day in the midst of relationships or whatever it is. No matter what the day is, we know that God is the one who is the author of it. God is the one who is the creator of it, and God is going to bring that to its own purpose. He'll have a purpose for it. And, and we're going to hear later in, in this section how Paul gives his own life and is an example of how God is bringing all things to their purpose and continuing to use his life. As Paul goes on in this uh, first verses of his letter, verse 7, he says, It's right for me to think this concerning you all, since you guys have me in your heart, both in my bonds and in the establishment of the gospel. So he starts to talk about the situation that he finds himself in. He's in prison right now. And now prison wasn't three hots in a cot back then. Uh, you had to pay uh, somebody to try to, to, to get your own food. Um, you didn't have that good of living conditions. It was not easy. A lot of people just died of, of starvation or malnourishment in prison. And, and uh, Paul did not have an easy life while he was imprisoned. And, and he said also, as he tried to establish the gospel, as he tried to share the, the good news of Jesus as far as he could, he said, God is my witness, as I yearn for you with the affections of Christ Jesus. This is such a, a, an interesting line. And um, often when we think of joy, when we think of um, rejoicing, I think this is a, a point for us to, 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 to focus on that because we think of happiness, don't we? I was so joyful when I got that thing. But joy is, it comes from the word rejoice. And what does it mean to rejoice? It means to praise God. So joy is about praising God and not about mere happiness. You know, there's a lot of people and powers in this world that would love for us to, to try to find our joy, our, our happiness, in how much stuff we have, uh, how, how great we look, um, how successful we are. But if our joy is in those, what we're, what we're doing is praising finding our highest value and good in, uh, in our looks, in our stuff, uh, in our identity, uh, in, our, uh, in our callings in life. We, we're, we're not praising the right thing, right? Uh, as Christians, when we, when we are at our most joyful, it has nothing to do with our earthly circumstances. It has nothing to do with how much or how little we have. Joy is found in the praising of God. And why that applies here is that, that Paul is saying, I yearn for you with the affections of Christ Jesus. That word there, it's like, uh, it means like actually the guts, the, the, the bowels. So in, I, I was talking with an Irish person once and said, you know, I was just gutted. It's, it's, I don't, it's an Irish phrase. I, I don't use it, but uh, what he means was that I, I just, I felt it deep within me, right? And, and this word here is that, that feeling word. I, I yearn for you with the, with the deep emotions of Christ Jesus himself, okay? And so there is, a, there is emotion as part of our human experience, uh, that, that yearning or that, that desiring or, or that the love that comes uh, from Jesus, right? But, but that's not what joy is. That, that is an important part of our journey, but it's not joy. And, and Paul goes on that he's, praying that their love may abound more and more. 
um, and, and as he qualifies what exactly love is, he, he wants to make sure that people know it's not the same as feeling. Just as joy is not about happiness, love is not about emotions either. Not merely about that. Because he says he wants their love to abound more and more in knowledge and all perception. We can talk about love and, and loving people, but, uh, but the reality is that sometimes if all we do is focus on love and help, we can end up hurting people. We can become enablers, right? Well, this person just needs one more. They, they just need me to accept this one thing. Well, maybe by doing that, you're actually leading to their destruction instead of their betterment. And so that's why Paul prays, like, I want your love to abound in knowledge and perception. It's like when Jesus came, in John chapter 1, it said Jesus came full of grace and truth. He, he held the tension. So often we, we are, are good at one or the other, right? I can be so gracious here. Uh, look, at, they're, they're hurting or, or they, they have, they're in need. But these people, they just need the truth. They need judgment. They need me to come down hard with the law. And we can kind of hold these things not in balance. Jesus is the one who came full of grace and truth. And as Christians now, as we seek to love other people, because that should be the, the primary way we operate in the world, right? Jesus said, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the second greatest commandment, right? Love. But that love has to find itself in knowledge and perception. And this is why, verse 10, it says, in order that you may distinguish the excelling things, that you may be able to tell what's right and wrong, what's going to be the best way to care for somebody. Maybe the best way to care is to say no. Maybe the best way to care is, is to hold that person accountable. I don't know. That's why he's praying, that, that you would be able to have that, um, that perception. And, and the purpose is this. You might have these things so that you might be bright as the sun. I love that word. In, in the English, it translates as just pure, but, but the word is really bright as the sun that you would be able to shine in your world, in your life, in your community, wherever you are, bright as the sun and blameless in the day of Christ. Um, because it's easy to get ourselves in trouble if we focus too much on uh, uh, that grace or too much on truth, if we don't hold that tension. We can find ourselves uh, doing things that we regret. So when our love is balanced with knowledge and perception, our lives become bright as the sun, blameless, shining in this dark world. And he qualifies, you've been filled with the fruit of righteousness to the glory and praise of God. After this opening, Paul makes a shift in his letter and, and he starts to give his own life as an example. He said, uh, and he talks about being in prison. He says, all these things that have happened to me have come for the progress of the gospel. So he's saying all the bad stuff that's gone on, I know that, that it was just God's plan to share the good news of Jesus with more people. And he talks about how um, everyone who's working in the prison has come to see that he's in prison because of Jesus. Not because of anything he did or said. Not because he's an unholy person or because he broke the law. Only because he believes in Jesus. And that was a witness to the guard. 
and everyone uh, overseeing the prison. And he says, even more than that, all the other people that have come into contact with me have come to see that. And he says, what's more, verse 14, there's other people who are willing to stand up and confidently speak about Jesus because they've seen what I've been willing to go through. He says they're speaking fearlessly and more abundantly the word of God. So he's saying that his, his imprisonment, you know, he's a great preacher. He's obviously sharing God's word all over the place. But he's been locked up, locked down. And as he's been inhibited, other people have had the chance to, to spread God's word. And he's saying what a, what a blessing it is that other people have been emboldened and had the opportunity to go out and share. My situation has led other people to do good things. <laughs> but, but even as he said that, um, there was people with a couple different motives for doing this. He said some people are, are, uh, are speaking on account of envy and division and selfish ambition, while others speak out of good pleasure and love. I'm, I'm sure that you, um, you've, see, you've seen people in your life do good things for the wrong reason. And maybe you yourself have been one of those, right? Preaching uh, or, or taking an opportunity, maybe, uh, because you're jealous of what other people are doing. Making posts online <laughs> uh, to look as good or better than your friend. Maybe unfollowing or, or, or hiding that other person's because of the, of the jealousy that is within you. Doing things out of, out of selfish ambition, it comes so naturally to us. Um, I think that's how we're wired as people. Envy, division, selfish ambition. Are we trying to find our joy from jealousy? Are we trying to find our, our happiness and in those things that we can attain over and above others or in spite of others? Or are we trying to find our joy from Jesus? Th those people who they see uh, Paul is locked up and, and they see the power of the message and how, how Jesus has changed Paul's life and, and how, the, how Jesus is working in their own and they want other people to know. They go out because they're happy to do it. They're happy to do it and because they love God and want to see other people love God Two, Paul's saying that we can be motivated in all sorts of different ways, but he, he, he narrows it down to this. He said, what, what of it? He said, whether people are preaching about Jesus for appearance, to look good or look better than others, or whether they're preaching because of the truth, Christ is proclaimed. And he says, in that, I rejoice. He, he anchors himself in joy. Even as he sees people taking what he loves most in this world and misusing it, he rejoices. Because even as they misuse it, God is given an opportunity to work in the lives of others. And Paul has had a, a first-person view of what it means to rely on God to bring everything to its purpose until the day of Christ. Just like he said in Philippians 1.6. I'm the primary example. I'm the first example. I've had to watch uh, through my imprisonment, uh, through the limiting of myself, uh, hopefully that God's word will, will get out. And I've had to see other people step up, whether they step up in the right way or the wrong way, 
God's word is still getting out there. And that's a cause of praise. Why? Because God is at work. Not because Paul is getting everything he wants, but because God is at work. Rejoicing is praising God. So for you, what's going on in your life? Where are you uh, overwhelmed or underwhelmed? Where are those uh, places where you're like, I don't see any purpose in this? Those places or those things or those opportunities you just want to toss to the side, those relationships that are just getting to be too much for you to bear? The one who began the good work. He's going to see it through to the end. We have no idea how God's at work in our lives, let, let alone the bigger picture. But joy helps us to focus not on ourselves or our limited perspective, but on Jesus. Joy is, is focusing on the work that Jesus is up to. Joy is, is praising God no matter what situation we find ourselves in. I want to encourage you. The God who could see Paul through imprisonment, he can see, through, he can see you through whatever you're going through too. And the interesting thing about it, right, as, as he says, as Paul writes, until the day of Jesus Christ, he said God is going to be bringing your life to a purpose until the end of time. Paul, Paul was murdered almost 2,000 years ago. And still, we're gathered right now around his word and he's making an impact on our lives. Stop limiting yourself to your feelings, to your experiences, to your hopes, to your plans, and open yourself up to the God above all things. Let him be the one to begin it. And let him be the one to see it through. Let him be the one to use your life now and forever. Who knows all that God can do. The one who began a good work in you will bring it to its purpose in Jesus. Thanks for listening to this episode of the FirstMin.Church podcast. Remember that we are an on-demand worship community ready for you whenever and wherever you are. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or head to our website for more ways to connect and serve. All at FirstMin.Church. Thanks and catch you next time.